since I'm checking the, the levels, can I get you to say your name? Mike Eisenstadt. And what company are we at? Amzo Eisenstadt, Frazier, and Hinojosa. Great. Lastly, I just want to hear this one last thing. Can you say my favorite client is Seth Colton? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy that you're you're here. I have a couple questions for you, Mike. Okay. Uh, or is it Mr. Eisenstadt? What would you prefer? Uh, it has a nice ring to it, but I think we could be informal. Okay, let's do that. We are here in the heart of Los Angeles. It's called AEFH for short, around town. That's what people call it, right? As far as I know. And you have a really good reputation for being well-respected and trustworthy agents but also having really talented clients. Can you tell me how you began your journey as a talent rep? How much time do you have? Oh, I got all the time in the world. All right, I'll give you the capsulized version. Graduated Syracuse uh, at 1979, Newhouse School of Communications. Uh, graduated with no connections, no help to figure out how to get into the industry. I came out here that summer with a couple of friends for vacation. We always loved coming out here. We were online the whole day to see Johnny Carson at the Tonight Show, 6 a.m., standby mm. tickets. And I left my friends. And um, actually, I did have one small little connection. It was um, people remember Wolfman Jack? Uh, of course. Okay. So... Back in Long Island, I worked at a department store, Abraham and Strauss, in the wrapping department. And my, my boss at the time was Wolfman's half-brother. Hmm. The year before I graduated, he came out here to run Wolfman's radio syndication company. Did he sound like Wolfman? No. Oh, okay. Not, nothing like him. And um, their place was in the Taft Building on Hollywood and Vine. So I left my friends online at Johnny Carson. I took the rental car, and I went up to uh, visit uh, Wolfman's brother. His name was Gary Parker. Literally, he said, one of my employees, um, she's going to be giving birth. If you want a entry-level job in the entertainment business, be out the day after Labor Day, which was going to be in three weeks, and we'll pay you $75 a week. More. Then I went back to the line of Johnny Carson, was back on line with my friends. We went to see the taping. They were yeah. still in line while you had this interview? It took oh, that long? Oh, we were in line probably 10 hours. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. And Well, from 6 in the morning to 5.30. Wow. And there might have been a break in between, but uh, between getting the standby tickets, and mm -hmm. there's probably more information that people want to hear about. But, but anyway, so then after the taping, we went to, there used to be a comedy store in Westwood, and for some reason they wouldn't let us in on the, the the main comedy store, they sent us to Westwood, and I went to the payphone, called my parents. You know, they asked how I was, how the trip was, and I said, "Hey, went to visit Wolfman's brother. Um, I got a job. Um, they want me here in three weeks, and they could pay me seventy five dollars a week." And and my mom said, "Hmm." Yeah, we'll talk about it when you get home. And uh, But anyway, they were really supportive, and they helped move me out three weeks later. Didn't know anybody out here, didn't know a person, and uh, literally worked there for seven months until the company went under. Uh, it was a terrible, it was, wasn't a f fun job. 
And, and but I, nobody blamed you for the company folding. I'd have to go. <laughs> I'd have to look at notes for that one. Uh, no, I don't think so. And they actually then took as it was going down. They they lessened my hours to about. I was making like thirty dollars a week. And mm. so then I finally gave my notice. Yeah. And uh, I was unemployed for seven months, not knowing anybody out here. It was pretty. It was a pretty, actually a horrible situation, but a really good situation because it really strengthened me for years to come. And um, I end up working at temporary employment agencies that deal with the industry, and they put me in all types of you know, interesting places. I worked at Lucasfilm. I worked at CBS. I worked at the. Mike Douglas show, if people remember Mike Douglas. I was hoping that somebody would give me a full-time job, but that wasn't going to happen because those employers would have to pay the employment agency lots of money to do that. One day I came home from one of those temporary jobs. On my answering machine was uh, the HR person for, from Lorimar Productions that was known in the 80s mm-hmm. as being really big, and they did Dallas and Knott's Landing and Falcon Crest. And, and they had me come in. They said, well, you know, you're very, obviously you're very um, proficient in doing temp work and we have our own temps here and we pay $275 a week, which was like from going from 75, this was like pay dirt. So they put me in profit participation accounting. I was really busting my chops to really do a good job. They had to prove myself, which it got to the point where they were going to replace me with the person who was out sick who I was temping for but I I basically said thank you so much but I really need something creative and you know if you if you could help me by telling personnel the HR person that I'm a good worker then I'd appreciate that and they said well we already did uh-huh. and the personnel lady was her name was Trisha Robinson and she was just great she just really really was behind me and always kept me working there and you know I I went to post-production I went to I was a messenger and then she ended up getting me into casting so I was a casting assistant on Knott's Landing for a year yeah and we did some pilots too but Knott's Landing was the main work but it was a tough department and um, about a year later I was unemployed again but I had met a lot of agents and through that's what I was dealing with all day long and um, I, I was calling around and, you know, you kind of find out who your real friends are and who are using who used you while you were right. in casting and, and who yeah. actually are are decent people. So I called over to APA and I spoke to one of the agents there that we were dealing with. Basically, he said, you know, we're in need of of, of a new assistant and you know, let me get back to you. So he got back to me. He uh, hired me hmm. on his desk or did you have to go through the it was, training program? No, they didn't have a trainee program. So it was um, it was two agents, TV, film department, and uh, I worked there for a year, and they didn't have a trainee program. So an old-time agent, Hal Gefsky, who's no longer with us, but he was a great guy, and he came up to me one day and said, you know, you're kind of smart. It's like <laughs> I know this guy, uh, Fred Amzell, who um, would train you because they're not going to do anything here. You're an assistant, and you're not going to move up just because that's not what they do at the time. You know, Fred won't will pay your next to nothing, but he'll train you. And, you know, it's a way of becoming an agent. Would you be open? And I said, okay. So met with Fred. I think he paid me. I think I was back to 275. I was really, you know, was up quite a bit from the 75. Right. But anyway, he trained me. And that's kind of the beginning because what happened was agents were leaving there 
and he wasn't replacing them. And then he, he was getting on in years, and he'd every so often mention about, you know, if, if I was going to sell the business, would be interested, and so on and so forth. Then it got more serious. I found pilot season doing it myself. There was nobody left, and, uh, and we actually had a really good pilot season. And then he started talking to me more about buying the company, and there was a guy, uh, John Frazier, who was interning with us, and um, I had basically gave him agent work to do because... I had plenty. Yeah. And then when it got serious, I asked John, I said, do you want to do this with me? Because, you know, I, I don't want to do this myself. And we had to um, really look at things. It was a different time and the company mm -hmm. wasn't really very profitable at the time. We looked at the bottom line to see if we could change things around. And, you know, we changed the phone service, changed the messenger service here and there, whatever. Bottom line is we bought the company and within the first year we were profitable. Wow. You know, luckily it's it's always gone that and, direction. And is that what when it was AEF? Correct. As a thing. And then well, recently, it, was, it was originally Fred Amzell and Associates. Right. And then when we bought it, it was mm -hmm. Amzell Eisenstein and Frazier. Got it. And then you brought on Gloria Hinojosa as a partner in the last few years? Yeah. Well, then John Frazier, we were together 19 years and he felt it was time for him to change directions so he left the company and then i asked gloria if she wanted to come aboard and because she she's great and she's you know she's been here a long time she's been here like 20 years mm. now and uh 21 years and um and she said yes and so uh she's now my partner awesome good journey recently i was watching a brady bunch renovation i believe ah. you've been inside that house mm. did you go inside several times that's amazing is it really as cool on the inside as it looks for a viewer? It was. It's. It's a very cool thing. I could show you pictures afterwards. Okay, okay. great. Just so you guys, you guys know, if you hadn't seen it, they bought the house that used to be the exterior shot of the Brady Bunch house, and they restored it to be almost an exact replica of what you saw on the show. And you represent a number of the original Brady kids. I represent fifty percent of the Bradys. I remember represent Barry Williams, uh, Susan Olsen, and Mike Lickenland. It's just been a very um, fun, exciting year. It started, sure, yeah. they started shooting November 1st of 2018. So we've kind of come full circle. And I, you know, I was in that house before they did anything to it. And I was, you know, I was down there quite a bit to, to watch the construction, you know, and then I saw the final product. It's so exciting that it's made a real imprint in mm -hmm. in the culture. Mm -hmm. So many people are talking about it. Everybody loves that show, you know, because there was so much work put into it. And then you're thinking like, well, are people going to see it? Are people going to care? And, you know, it's HGTV's highest rated premiere ever. And I believe I read somewhere that it's the highest rated show they've ever had. I'm not 100% per certain of that i did read it somewhere pretty awesome I'm not, I'm but, pretty but, jealous. but it's but as far as the premiere absolutely they say it's the highest rated yeah. ever and it's uh it's just yeah it's just it was just a really cool thing agreed now as an agent you typically talk to as your business two sets of people two different kinds of people actors and casting directors correct correct can we start with actors and what attracts you to an actor that you might want to work with? What makes you think, well, you know what? I'm not quite the right person for them. Um, I've always liked types. I've always never afraid to take a chance. I started 
my first successes were in comedy with stand-ups and improv performers. And I guess my humor is, it's, everybody has their own taste in humor. I, mm -hmm. I like a little bit off the wall. And so that kind of translates to actors. I like interesting actors. I like, I like multidimensional actors. I respond rather than a certain type of actor who just does one thing really well. You know, he plays a really good lawyer, plays a good mm -hmm. accountant. You know, I appreciate those actors, but I, you know, I, li I like multidimensional actors. And so type-wise, they have to make sense. I have to be able to feel that I know how to sell that actor. And, and obviously the acting quality has to be good. Mm-hmm. And how does the actor typically get on your radar? Is it through relationships you've had in referrals? Or do you still like to go out to the showcases? Do you ever open up headshots if people send them? I don't know if people still send headshots. Uh, very few. I might get... I got one today. Got, oh, wow. Just, right. I remember the days of the Oh, yeah, tons. Stacks, yeah. Tons. Yeah, it's mostly through emails. And to tell you the truth... Um, Unless somebody gets my attention in the subject line saying, you know, just start in the Joker, I just don't usually read them. Yeah. And I usually tell people less is more. If you want to, you know, if you want to try to get my attention, just um, uh, send me something real quick to the point and get right to what's going to get my interest. Right. Ahead. And it used to be when it was AEF or before that, the predecessor, that there'd be a lot of phone calls. We talked mm -hmm. about the fact when I got here that now it's a lot. Of emails mm -hmm. and is it the same way with your clients do you find that your clients are still calling you to ask questions or hey can you move the date or the time for this or is everything now text and email for your actors as well I don't prefer text just because I like to have a, a better record mm -hmm. of the communications so there are clients who've been texting trying to not have that happen as much um, Although, you know, it's quick communication, but it's mostly emails. Every so often a client will call. Every every client's different. So every, you know, we have different relationships with each client and I don't censor anybody. Yeah. You know, if you want me, I'm here and I usually get back at, within 24 yeah. hours, if not usually way sooner. I think the thing that made me think about it was when you said you're getting all of these emails and, you know, somebody has to look, grab you really quick. But I think maybe a lot of actors don't know because most of your work is on the computer that time is very valuable and you don't have a lot of time to stray from the work you have to do on mm -hmm. it to go read and venture into new territory. Oh, I just no. want actors and to also understand that. Pitching actors to the casting directors, I know they're really busy and they're getting slammed and it's I don't need to go through a whole, you know, sermon of why they should see a certain actor. It basically here's the picture, here's the resume, here's the demo. Most of the, most of the tell you the truth, most of the casting directors I deal with no actors, so mm -hmm. I don't really have to say too much. And depending on who it is, I may just say, "Hey, can you please see Seth Colton for the judge on NCIS New Orleans or whatever?" It's like mm -hmm. I'm just basically going right at them so they could just see the idea. And if it's somebody they don't know, I'm going to have to go in and, and explain a little more like, hey, Seth just uh, guest starred on a Good Doctor, what, you know, whatever. Just something that's... Right. A headline get their attention. Right. Right. Like we were just talking right. about. But keep it simple because, as I said, I have a couple of clients who are so verbal that 
I just say, please, just let's get to the point because yeah. I'll get back to you quicker that way. Yeah. What makes a good client for you? And I guess on a sidebar, does what makes a good client for you, is it the same thing that makes a good client for all of AEFH? Or do you guys all have your particular style of working and the way you like to work with actors? Hmm. A good client for me is somebody, this is going to sound really corny, somebody who's a good actor, mm. uh, somebody who's a good type, somebody who I know how to sell. I, I don't know how to sell all types. One type that's in, kind of interesting that certain agencies do really well with are, say, for example, like a European actor that has absolutely no American credits. Mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not great with that. Mm -hmm. And I say there's, there's agencies out there that that's what they do really mm -hmm. well. And how about the actor who just leaves the audition and calls you or emails you and say, hey, can you get feedback? Um, I usually say uh, if there's a manager involved, please have your manager do mm -hmm. it. And But the bigger uh, words of advice would basically be after you leave the room, forget about it. Right. I love that. Because um, Ugh, I love the, that. Best, the best offers come personally when I've forgotten about it. Yeah. And if I, you know, I could go on and on and on about those type of stories, but... Um, whenever an actor calls me and says, Mike, I killed, this is unbelievable. I got a standing ovation. It never happens. Happen. It just doesn't happen. Right. But when I get, oh, Mike, I flubbed a line. Um, and then the phone rang, casting director had a conversation in the middle. That's what I'm saying. Okay. How much do you want? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so funny and so true and weird. It is true. Yeah. It is true. It's weird. I don't know. I don't understand it. Now, how about clients who book out a lot or clients who work other jobs and may have a hard time getting out for auditions. Does that make it very difficult for you? I have a strange uh, outlook on that. To me, you know, family comes first. If somebody sure. tells me, hey, Mike, I'm going to Europe for two weeks with my family, I prefer you don't do that in February, March. Mm -hmm. You know, I prefer you don't do that in September, October. But I deal with it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's not about me. It's about the client. Mm -hmm. And so it may not be the best choice, but I'm very, I don't want to say very soft when it comes to that, but I'm very understanding. I got a family and it's yeah. like, you know, family comes first. So, you know, sometimes it's hard to get momentum going if somebody's going to be out of town all the time. Right. That's not a great thing. And sometimes I'll say, listen, if you want to go to Europe for a month, go in, you know, May. Don't go in February. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, people listen. Sometimes people don't. You know, it's a momentum thing. It's if you stay in town a lot of actors work during Christmas time when they it's slow other times because there's a smaller actor pool and the ones who are around are the ones who get the jobs. That's a good point. Now, do all of your clients have a point agent or do all three of the agents, the adult theatrical agents here, represent the actor? Well, we we there's three of us in the adult theatrical department and we share... We share the clients. You know, mm -hmm. we all we submit by uh, we we cover casting directors. We all have about a third of the town. We share each other's clients. Now, whoever I bring in, like I know I have an actor named Seth Colton. Uh, <laughs> He's awesome. He, so I'm his responsible agent. Got it. Okay. Now we talked about we're just touched on the adult theatrical department, but you guys have a number of other departments. Can you uh -huh. tell us what they are? Um, so we have adult theatrical. We have adult commercial. We have youth theatrical, youth commercial. We have um, another adult commercial division called Pinnacle Commercial Talent, which is also under our umbrella. And I believe you started doing voiceovers. Oh, well, we do that. Um, 
not as a focus, but you're doing that in Yeah, your well, it's just, um, I do it just because um, the clients like it. There's not much money in it. I'm not certainly not doing it for the, the money because most of it's skill. And there's a, you have to just do a lot of auditions to book something. Mm-hmm. And um, But it's kind of cool when somebody books. There's certain companies, uh, DreamWorks, Lucasfilm, um, that they're kind enough to send me their, what they're looking for. I say I'm a supplemental voiceover agent. If somebody doesn't have a full-time voiceover agent, I'm happy to handle them. And, uh, and there's quite a bit who don't have voiceover agents. And so I'll submit and, you know, I'll, I'll tell them to put an MP3 together and send it over there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say we have a voiceover department or whatever. It's just kind of part of like what we do. Yeah. Okay, good. Now, when we were talking about when would be ideal to travel for an actor, we were saying that because of pilot season and episodic season. And, you know, a lot of the film has left Los Angeles and gone other places. Are you finding with Netflix and YouTube premium and Amazon that those are still categorized seasons or now is it just all the time and it's kind of sporadic? Oh, it's all the time. All the time. And and pilot season, it's a lot of work. End of January, February, March. The major networks, you know, they're all kind of vying for the same talent. Yeah. So the rest of the yeah. year, um, it just opens up a lot of possibilities for actors. Mm-hmm. When I was saying in uh, before about Fred M's own associates and when we bought the company wasn't very profitable, a lot had to do with that come April, the TV money stopped. So now all of a sudden you have, you know, April, May, June, July with very little income coming in. Hmm. Now we don't have that issue. Mm -hmm. And also we have commercial, you know, commercials and stuff. And back then we didn't have a commercial department. So it was basically the money was coming in then the money stopped. And then you have to kind of use that money that you'd made during the year to kind of keep going. Yeah. And it was tougher. But now with all these other revenue streams, it just makes it better. Good. Um, let's talk about the evolution of an actor on your roster. Somebody's coming in and they're booking guest stars and maybe recurring guest stars, and then they get to a series regular category. Obviously, it's fantastic for any agent to get that. Do you end up going to set a lot, make sure that A, they're being treated well, and B, there's nobody else you know, spinning their wheels thinking, well, your agent's not here. I'll talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's um, all size agencies have their issues. And, you know, that's been, you know, that's been one because especially with the, the clients who go from like zero to a thousand mm-hmm. fairly quickly and they don't really understand um, uh, the smoke being blown. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's frustrating on our side, you know, because I've had several people, you know, go on Saturday Night Live from nothing on their mm-hmm. credits. And uh, that's that's a a very, <laughs> you know, a, a very big uh, point of contention as far as what you're what you just brought up. I bet also because you, you you're not out there in New York. You're here in Los Angeles. Yeah, but we go back. You know, we'd go back every so often mm-hmm. to visit and stuff. And I'm not a firm believer of, of handholding or mm. overdoing. And, you know, we have some clients who would prefer, they get a little nervous, prefer that I don't come and visit. Yeah. So everybody's different. Everybody's different. Yeah. And uh, I actually enjoy going on the sets and stuff. So free food. I enjoy watching free food. <laughs> I just, and I enjoy actually watching my clients work on TV and in the films. And most of them don't understand when I say, it pretty much ha- happens every day now where I'll say, uh, and let me know when you get um, an air date. 
And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you want to see it? Yeah. That's, that's cool. To me, that's the fun part. Yeah. That's the that's the end result. I hadn't thought about that till right now. Most of the people that I talk to on the podcast are casting directors, so we talk about actors in the audition. Mm-hmm. But once you fall in love with the actor and their talent, you don't see those auditions. You don't, you don't see the grit of mm-hmm. their work. Mm-hmm. So I respect that you want to go on set and, and watch them perform or see when it comes out on TV. I think that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. But I do actually enjoy now when we get the all the... Um the self tapes, I look at all of them hmm. and I listen to all the voiceover self tapes because I do want to see. And, I, you know, there's kind of a mystery of life for me as far as I'd love to know the mystery of the perfect self tape. What self tape will get the job? Because I've seen handheld on iPhones, I've seen these real fancy jobs, you know, just it's all, you know, and, yeah. and I'm not it seems like people are getting hired either way. That's to me a real big mystery. I'd love to know the answer to that. Yeah. Seth, do you know? Mm, no, but I do know that a lot of the people that I've spoken to in, in the casting community sort of feel like I do about self tapes, which is it's, it's great in an emergency situation, but they hate that people are relying on it now that a casting director's job is to be in the room to direct them. And it's, it's not really the way it works anymore. So it was probably like when breakdowns went from mm-hmm. eight by tens mm-hmm. to electronic and it, mm-hmm. it's just hard to make that transition. Oh, I, yeah, I resisted. I was like, oh no, the hard copy is where it's at. And then it just, you know what? Yeah. It's evolution. And it also uh, had to save the agency business a lot of money. I mean, you guys are spending a lot on messenger services. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My big prediction will be three, four years, pretty much everything will be self-tapes. Oh, that breaks my heart. I know it might be true. I just think it's coming to that. Mm. I just think it's coming to that. And there's certain clients who've been maybe a little more mature clients that are just not real techno savvy. Yeah. But they're starting yeah. to get there because they see it. There are some markets, specifically in the Southeast, where a lot of casting directors don't have offices. And it's it's all what you just said. It's all self-tape. Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, once again, you know, I don't love that idea because I think most people want the human connection. Um, but I just think that's kind of where it's yeah, going. where it's going. I also do know that from the producer side, when I've worked in casting, most of the time they're only listening to about five seconds of the tape before mm-hmm. they make their decision. So if that great moment comes three minutes later, mm-hmm. it's shot. Mm-hmm. Just, but that's similar to also is. when I'm reviewing actors looking for represent, you know, representation. Yeah. A lot of it's type too. So if it's some, if it's a type that's going to interest me, you know, I don't have to watch that much. Yeah, I could see, I could see in thirty seconds. Oh, this, this is a really good actor, and it's a good type. Mm-hmm. Don't have to go the whole whole way. But um, but you're right. That's why I kind of, you know, I don't feel demo tape should be, you know, 10 minutes long. They should right. be three minutes. Get, yeah. you know, put your best stuff on there, most recent stuff, and just get it done. I'm going to ask you this because the question comes up a lot from actors, and it might be a meaningless question. Do you prefer that actors still have demo reels, even if it's, you know, comedy and drama demo reels, or do you prefer clips? This is my 911 episode. This is when I played the, the detective, and this is when I was the comedic dad. Mm-hmm. Which one is more useful to you when you're attaching it to a submission? That's a good question because we have clients who they have 20 clips. And when we're submitting, we can't just think about it overly long. And I think there's more room for error 
what I'll end up doing is I'll just click all. So the casting people are getting all, but then mm-hmm. what are they going to look at? I think it's safer to, depending on who the client is, who the actor is, is either to have one demo that has everything you want to show in it, three, four minutes long, or have a comedy demo and a drama demo. Got it. Unless you have really good descriptions of the crying mom or the executive or whatever, I, I you know. But yeah. once again, it takes time for us to have to decipher right. this, and we have a lot going on, and so we can't spend twenty minutes on one client. Which which demos yeah. are we going to? You explain that really well, and the margin of error is a lot higher. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Now let's switch to casting directors. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this is the right way to say it. Your business. Does it depend on casting directors in today's day and age of actors making their own content and maybe being able to sell that content to Comedy Central? I guess that's another route, but is the main focus of your business you need casting directors to like trust your actors and then give them to producers? Yeah. Listen, casting directors um, are very important to the actor. And not every actor is a hyphenate YouTuber mm-hmm. makes these short videos that get attention. So you know, casting directors are, is the first, you know, opening the door and they're really important. Having said that, I think, you know, there was a time that I worked in casting mm-hmm. I worked for properly tough casting director. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she felt agents would cross her mm-hmm. and she wouldn't see clients from that agency for quite some time until she calmed down or until they figured out how to work together. The big fear for an actor going in is they're going to bomb the audition. Is the big fear for the agent that they're going to bomb the relationship? Not for me. I learned a lot when I was in casting, when I was a casting assistant, and I learned the do's and don'ts of agenting. I saw who was respected. I saw who was not respected. um, And I go by that. So when I'm, you know, I'll submit wide range of actors and then I will be pitching a much limited amount because Mm -hmm. um, you want to go for your best shots and I'm not going to, I can't sell an actor I don't believe is the right person and I I can't, it's just how I am. Yeah. It's just how I am. I, I, you know, I put blinders on and when I'm pitching it's, this is the person for the role and this is why this is the person for the role and that's why phone communication is still better than way better than emails because they could hear the passion in my voice and i can't i I can't i can't sell somebody who i don't believe is the best person for the role good i don't know if you've listened to any of the prior episodes of the podcast but i always ask casting directors if they have anything they'd like to say for the talent reps who listen Mm -hmm. and you just spoke on it almost Everybody said they wish that agents and managers would take the time to get to know the clients to only pitch or submit the ones that are right. Mm-hmm. And not just because they might be in the same general region of what they what they're looking for. Well, there's agencies that. that have, you know, 10 of one type. We don't do that. I never wanted mm-hmm. to do that because we can't we can't pitch or sell more than, you know, obviously we could pitch one. We could pitch two maybe depending on what the role is a third, but that's it. And, and we don't have 10 of, you know, cause if we have 10 of a type, uh, the majority are going to be mm-hmm. suffering. Yeah. Unfortunately. 
And, right. and there's a lot of agencies who just have lots of each type and it's a different type of um, work ethic. I don't know yeah. what the word is. I think you're in a, you're in a great position from what I can see in this business because you are really well respected and you have working actors and you have name brand actors. So if there's a young casting director coming up and they're casting their first project and they might not necessarily know how to get a hold of certain kinds of talent, well, they're going to contact you because of your talent. Some of the smaller agencies who are really well known for co-star actors might not have the same opportunity to to break in with that casting director. Mm -hmm. Have you found that it is your clients who have created the casting director relationships or do you go out of your way to do it? Because I've seen you at functions. Talent Managers Association loves you. Do you do functions? Do you do lunches with casting or do you just keep it about the work? I keep it about the work. I'm actually, um, if before I was an agent, somebody gave me a uh, guidelines of what an agent does and the characteristics of an agent, it's not me. Hmm. It would it would scare me. Mm. And what you've seen on TV about agents. The Hollywood and, shark. Yeah. And it's just not me. I'm no, not. just, um, I'm not a big mingler. I'm not buddy-buddy with everybody. Yeah. Yet people like you. And I told them that I, I mean, they actually more than like you. When I started spreading the word that I was now working with you, I got a bunch of like, hell yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> so that's cool. Well, you listen, I, right. I've been dealing with the same people for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So um, I like them. I believe they like me. I respect them. I believe they respect me. I don't want to waste anybody's time. Um, if if a casting director calls me and says, oh, I'd like to bring in uh, Seth Colton for the part of Timmy, and I look and I say, well, Timmy is a um, – he, he's 18. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to say to them yeah. – you might be getting confused is, you know, is, is this who you want? And sometimes I get, Oh, thank you so much. I'm confusing with somebody else or it's uh, no, the description changed and um, yeah, we want to give that a shot. And uh, I don't want to waste anybody's time. Just like I don't want to waste my client's time. Gas is expensive out there and we don't need to be having them drive around for, for no reason. So true. So true. And also while you're doing that, you are reaffirming that you are somebody that this person can trust and ask questions of and get an honest answer. Yeah, but but I'm as I said, I'm not buddy buddy. Yeah, um, you're keeping it about the business. And also, I have a family, and I and I do you know Monday through Friday at eight o'clock p.m. Um, revved up twenty four seven with the job, and then Friday night. I usually meet my wife for dinner and then Saturday and Sunday, I just try to decompress and I don't have a lot of friends in the industry and I just try to just do things yeah. to decompress. Now I'm trying to educate the acting community for the most part through this because a lot of people don't have the personal access that I do to people. And I'm assuming there are some actors out there who maybe are just moving to town and full of gusto and self-confidence that have probably done some unprofessional things to get your attention. Hmm. Does that still happen? Do people show, knock on your door with funny little gimmicks? Um, no, nah, not too much. Not too much. Um, and actually, I don't. Um, I don't have actors do scenes in my office. 
I've had that done twice in my career mm-hmm. years ago. It was it was it was uncomfortable. Once was a very uncomfortable scene of a, of, of an actress. The material was very inappropriate. I thought oh. <laughs> uh, nothing. There I was there was nothing yeah. that happened in, in the course, meeting other right. than it was uncomfortable. Right, and I, you know, I couldn't wait to kind of escort her out. And the other one, it was just a very, very poorly acted scene mm-hmm. which is also uncomfortable we, because it wasn't just me in the room it was it was just it was bad and yeah. and so i just i i don't i think it's um not a normal atmosphere um to be doing scenes and i mm-hmm. just i just go off of demos and i go off of instinct and i'll sign somebody purely off of i think they're interesting i think they're an interesting type i think they're an interesting actor they may not have anything on the resume Mm -hmm. i don't take on that many developmental people anymore but i've never been afraid to take a chance i've never had a casting director tell me mike why did you send me this person who's just horrible i've just never i just i just have never been afraid to to gamble Mm-hmm. And I've never taken acting classes. I couldn't tell you about acting methods. It's not. Yeah. It's not what I do. I just know what I like. Yeah. And I you totally may not agree with me. Yeah. But it is what it is. Recently, I've been watching two Ryan Murphy shows, and God bless Ryan Murphy. I owe him a lot. He brings me on quite a few of his shows. One is one that I'm watching now is American Horror Story 1984. I watch it too. Cool. And the other is The Politician. Yeah, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's so different. I love it. It's like Wes Anderson. Um, In both of those shows, there are transgender actors. Mm -hmm. They're not playing transgender characters. Mm -hmm. So I think I was just having this conversation with someone today. It feels like there might be another shift coming Mm -hmm. where, you know, in the last five years, we've been very specific about saying, well, if you're not actually from... Mazatlan, you, you can't play this character. We're going to look for somebody who's authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that this is a sign that we're going to be more open instead of having to say whether it's transgender or gay or straight or uh, this one specific ethnicity that we're just going to look look at the person who plays this character the best? Absolutely. I represent two transgender actors and I submit transgender and I submit non-transgender. And, um, that's awesome. And I just think it's when they're taught, when everybody's talking about diversity, that's diverse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why can't a transgender play a non-transgender role? You're absolutely right. I, I hadn't thought about that. You're right. Chaz, you represent Chaz Bono, uh-huh. who has played a number of times on American Horror Story and mm-hmm. played a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Oh, yeah. And um, I also represent Isis King, who started as an American top model, and then she was on uh, the all-star version, and she can now be seen in uh, the Netflix When They See Us, which is an amazing... She was great. I looked her up afterwards. That's right. Yeah, which uh, she did an amazing job. Yeah. Well well done, Mike Eisenstein. I'm very, like, A, I'm proud to be working with you. It's been like 12 years I've been trying to knock down your door. So but that's what you told me. Thank originally. you for finally opening it. <laughs> um, and lastly, I would just like to know if you have any things that you would like to dispel for actors, things that you've heard them complain about agents or 
managers or talent reps? Is there anything you want them to know? Sure. Um, there's a lot of good agents. There's a lot of bad agents. There's a lot of good managers. There's a lot of, a lot of bad managers. There's good and bad everything. And there's some smart people. There's some dumb people. Uh, I've never gone to college. I've never gone to agents. I went to college. I went to Syracuse. But like I never went. To, yeah. There's no agent school. Yeah. So you learn by being around it. And um, I've always, you know, pride myself in just being non-dramatic and keeping away from the BS as much as possible. And, you know, we have mutual goals with our clients and that is to get them working. And the better they do, the better we do. And, and I just like to cut through it. So I hear all types of things about previous agents that clients have had, previous managers. And there's also um, chemistry, you know, who might be right for one person may not be right for somebody else. You know, we, you know, I find our relationship with our clients, it's a, it's a marriage. It's for better or for worse. And I know it's a tough business. And, um, you know, we don't um, release a client. We don't kick them out the door if uh, they've had a few, you know, light years. It's a tough business. I think that's awesome. I mean, if you were still living the corporate agency lifestyle, mm -hmm. you know, you might have a, a drop year every single season. I have a hard time season. dropping clients. The only time I'll drop a client is if they're uh, disrespectful, high maintenance, and not diligent about their craft. Mm -hmm. And um, we don't, luckily we don't, we haven't had too many of those type of clients, but I don't really have too much patience for that. But if we have clients, by far the majority of clients are really nice. They're hardworking. They're interested. They are passionate. But it's a tough, you know, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. I, I say that, you know, if acting was easy, I'd be doing it. You know, <laughs> I don't, um, I am a firm believer that, you know, you, you just, you, you just write it out. And we have clients, I've been doing this over 35 years. I've been at the same, I started here as a trainee. And um, we have we have two clients who predate me. Hmm. And wow. we, have plenty of, we have plenty of clients who have been here 20 years, 25 years. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I love that. And, and I, I actually, I, I'm not even sure I'd ever think of me saying this some years back. But, you know, I actually feel like they're family. It's just been yeah. – and once again, I don't really hang out. It's yeah. not like we hang out and we right. go to barbecues together. But I feel like they are family. Got it. That makes yeah. perfect sense. And I should have asked you this. I'll just sneak it in. After having done this for 35 years, you must still love it or you wouldn't do it. What do you still love about it? Well, growing up, I was starstruck from mm -hmm. Long Island and – my most memorable days would be taking this, you know, the the bus to the subway to get into Manhattan to go to see a ta TV taping. You know, if it was SNL, if it was um, the Ed Sullivan show, if it was a game show, yeah, um, that was my favorite day. That was my favorite day. So that's why I'm doing this. I'm still starstruck. You know, I, I got to meet Clint Eastwood a couple of years ago. It was mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> like it was just like wow, Dirty Harry. Um, so I'm still a, I'm still a kid, and even this uh, the Brady Bunch renovation show that we spoke about before, this was something so cool for me, 
and for a lot of people, it was just a really interesting thing that came out of nowhere. You know, it was just such a cool project. You know, if I, if I put, you know, if I put a client on SNL and you just see them just shoot up, it's exciting. You know, I feel like, okay, I kind of made some type of impact. Yeah. You know, we have good days. We have not so good days. Um, you know, now all the new media and the streaming and we're constantly having to keep on learning the deal process, um, things that are just have never come up before. We had a webinar last week on uh, the new Netflix deal mm. um, for the actors, and it's changing a lot of rules. You know, I've always loved this job, and there's always something that just keeps me going, besides the fact that I'm not really trained to do anything else. <laughs> I know. Sometimes like, when I think about quitting, I'm like, oh, there's nothing else. Yeah, I don't know what, what else I going to work at a bank? Yeah, I know. And no, no offense to people who work at banks, because... We need you. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for everything. I love that you did this podcast. I need to give you one thing. When my best friend quit acting a few years ago, he went to the corporate world. And then to clear his head, he created this like um, concrete candle company. So I brought one for you as oh, really? a gift for being on the podcast. A concrete candle? Oh, cool. So super dope candle. It's yours. I just wanted to thank you. Wow. Thank- oh, you it's know who really like this? Who's that? My wife. Oh, I hope so. You know why? Why? Because when she cooks me fish, she hates the smell. Oh, I hate the smell too. Yeah. That should mask it. And if you do anything bad, you know, it's wrapped in concrete. It's heavy. She'll just that chuck it at cool. you. That is cool. Yeah. That's actually cool. So thank you very much, Mike. Thank you, Seth. And thank you for having me. Everybody, please check out AEFH online. Track their actors. You will know a ton of them. They are in some amazing projects. And we'll talk soon. Thank you again. And there we have it. Another great episode. Thanks to our guests for being so generous. Thanks to you for listening and being a part of this community. This has been brought to you by Obsessed.com. Please check it out for fun videos and updates. And don't forget to find something that you're obsessed with.